Hello, and welcome to the Floating Blue Podcast, the official podcast of the International Street and Ball Hockey Federation. My name's Ben Royal, and I'm excited to be hosting the first ever series of the Floating Blue Podcast, in which we'll be bringing you up to date on the biggest news stories and catching up with the biggest names in the ball hockey world. The Floating Blue Podcast is an ISBHF production, hosted by myself, Ben Royal, produced by Sambrook Wilkinson, and overseen by the ISBHF secretary, David Tor. All opinions shared on the Floating Blue podcast are those of the individual that shares them and not of the ISPHF. So without further ado, welcome to the Floating Blue. Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the ISBHF Floating Blue podcast. My name is Ben Royal and today I'll be speaking to Michelle Mars who captained Canada to the 2019 Women's ISBHF World Championship gold medal. Michelle's storied ball hockey career has built on a successful sporting career in which she played as an NCAA ice hockey goalie and a major league football player. We'll be detailing her sporting career so far while looking forward to Montreal 2022. So Michelle, thank you very much for joining us. First off, how are you doing and what have the last few months been like for you as hockey's started to make its return? Uh, well, thank you for having me. Um, it's an honour to be uh, featured on the ISBHF podcast. I know it's something new and it's pretty exciting. Um, always welcome to listen to more hockey chat as well as be a part of it. So. Thank you for that. Um, I have been good the last few months. It's exciting. Things uh, are slowly opening back up. We've had a couple tournaments here locally, um, one out in Alberta and one in uh, Saskatoon, both of which were nationals. The first one was A national, second one was B nationals. Um, so it's just nice to see kind of uh, the ball hockey community getting back together. Everyone's training, um, getting back on point. And uh, yeah, just competing again and having a purpose, right? Because of course, everyone's remaining active and doing their own training um, while things were shut down. But now that we have uh, tournament dates set and kind of like goals to train for, um, that's exciting. It's, it's kind of what we're accustomed to. So it's a bit of a, a return to the norm for many of us. And it's much easier to stay motivated knowing that you've got a date and sort of an actual schedule rather than training for the sake of training which it felt like during COVID I imagine. Absolutely I mean uh, of course like staying active and mobile is important um, but there's nothing like a game shape like playing uh, even doing interval training for instance like uh, I love doing spin class which is you know it's you're doing some sprints and you're doing some like hill climbs so it is interval it's similar to sports in that regard however it's just not the same there's just something so special about ball hockey going out for a hard shift uh the adrenaline all that so it's it's hard to replicate um but now that we're back into the swing of things uh I feel like I have a whole new sense of appreciation for the game yeah I've definitely sort of from my perspective I've come to appreciate the game much more being able to play it again than probably took it for granted prior to COVID if that makes sense for sure so just to kick off uh we've got a few icebreakers nothing strenuous at all or anything you'll have to think too much about so with you having played for Canada it's not a ball hockey question it's an ice hockey question Sidney Crosby or Conor McDavid best player in the world or are you going to go off the board and pick someone else um I'll go with Crosby nice got a longer period of being at the top level I guess we'll be excited to see them on the same team in the Olympics hopefully 
Absolutely. And then sort of a similar strand, start NHL start, season started a few days ago. Who's your early season Stanley Cup prediction? <laughs> well, this is just based on my upbringing, my hometown team. I'm going to have to go with Vancouver Canucks. Um, will they right. get there? That's to be determined. But I am, I am always rooting for them. So I'm going to stick with my Vancouver Canucks, who I have uh, cheered for religiously since I was a child. Nice to be optimistic, I guess. <laughs> we can all dream. <laughs> and then, well, I mean, I'm a Maple Leaf fan, so it's of a similar sort of unrealistic right. optimism, I think. Uh, and then yeah, moving into ball hockey, if you could pick one teammate to live on a desert island with, who would you pick from your entire oh, hockey career? Definitely Kristen Sugiyama. Um, she was on Team Canada in the 2017 uh, World Championships. Um, she is one of my closest friends, closest and dearest friends. Um, we both enjoy downtime together, very like relaxing moments. We've taken some trips and, you know, have our like sleep and lazy days, but then we also really look forward to random ventures, athletic challenges. So I feel like we, we see eye to eye and shift gears at the same speed. Um, yeah, so, it's a yeah, very good balance I, to have. Absolutely. And then similar to the Stanley Cup question. With the men, well, I feel like the answer is pretty obvious what you're going to say. But with the men's and women's world championships coming up in the summer of 2022, who are your early predictions for the gold medal? There's only really one answer you can give. I just, I realize, but I would it. say uh, Canada on the men's side. They're currently actually having a selection camp, which I believe is the first uh, time that Canada has done this to my knowledge anyways I think it's um, the so first they... time since about 2007 that they've done a selection camp so it'll be interesting to see how it works out yeah absolutely and uh, I mean I recognize most of the names that are there and there's definitely some new names on the scene which is exciting uh, kind of adds a new element of competition to the players that are, are repeat right it just kind of um sets the bar a bit higher right and so I think that's really exciting I'd say I'd like I expect Canada to have one of the strongest teams yet this upcoming worlds and same thing on the women's side we haven't uh I'm not entirely sure of the finalized roster at this time um however being host I imagine that the stakes will be higher than previous years in terms of expectations as well as a pre-tournament training camp so um I mean, I could very well be wrong, but I'm hoping my predictions are right. Um, and I'm sure that CBHA is doing everything to prepare us uh, properly for that. Yeah, I think that really emphasizes sort of the excitement of having tournament dates back. And like we were saying, just sort of having something to work towards and train for. So that is very exciting. And hopefully, mm -hmm. from your perspective, it will be a Canada double. Uh, and then including yourself on this line, um, can you pick an ultimate line of teammates from throughout your ball hockey career? So goalie and obviously 2D and three forwards, including yourself. Okay, so I'm going for a real hybrid with this one. A couple of male teammates as well as some female. Um, starting between the pipes, Manon Rayon. Um, she is the only female to have played in the NHL to date. And that happened while I was a child playing minor league growing up. So I really respected that and looked up to her. Um, and I would just be forever grateful to share the ice or ball hockey floor with her one day. So um, yeah, men all around and net. Um, my brother is probably the most 
tenacious person I've ever played hockey with. So I would partner with my brother on defense. Um, I feel like my competitive side is because of him and he was always challenging me growing up. And then center, I would go with Trevor Linden, again, hometown hero, Vancouver Canucks. He's an inspirational leader. And then wingers, I would go with Kristen Sugiyama on right wing and Regan Johnson on left wing. So a bit of a co-ed squad there. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's very personal. That's sort of, that's the, the point of the question. And it gives a good insight into sort of different ball hockey backgrounds and obviously ice hockey backgrounds as well depending who's answering it mm-hmm. so that's really good so what are your earliest memories of playing sport in general uh obviously you've got sort of a multi-sport background which we can touch on later on and in particular what do you remember about when you first started playing ball hockey uh that would be as probably like a five or six year old on the street we grew up uh in Port Moody that's in British Columbia we grew up on a cul-de-sac and uh street hockey was a daily occurrence for all the neighborhood kids Um, my brother and some of his friends are a few years older and I mean it was predominantly boys playing but uh, they had me throw the pads on and go in net so that kind of turned into my primary position for street hockey and these games would go anywhere on the weekends they'd go all day I mean we go in for you know food breaks but uh, after school every day like all the way from elementary school up through middle school even some high school we were out on the street um, in Vancouver. It just kind of rains. It doesn't really snow. So we were out playing street hockey most days after school. And uh, those are some really special memories. Like I remember even when there weren't games going on, I would put my little boom box outside the window, which like overlooks the cul-de-sac, throw on some like jock jams, you know, some like inspirational hockey music that they play at big games. Oh, yeah. I'm like flying down the driveway, do a couple, couple, couple big circles. Like I was, you know, like the NHL or just stepping onto the ice and doing warm up. I'd like have a whole like warm up down to a science. And this is just me in the net. Like this, the, I just, I love the game so much that uh, all parts of it, whether I was practicing by myself or playing with peers, all of it just excited me so much. So yeah, it's definitely always been a passion for me. I know it's really nice and very stereotypical in terms of a Canadian upbringing getting into hockey. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So you sort of touched on playing in goal there. You did enjoy a successful ice hockey career playing in the NCAA. What was it like breaking the gender barrier and playing against boys during your ice hockey career as well? Well, growing up, there really weren't too many local options uh, to play girls hockey. When I, so I started off, playing in grade one um and that just the default for girls at that time was just to play in the boys league so I played a few years like tight couple years of novice which is it's more on the rec side and then when I was about 10 years old um in Adam that's when you can try out for rep teams um and over that summer I attended a couple goalie training schools because I was playing I enjoyed goalie at that point and uh yeah I just decided to try out for the rep team and my as a first year so you play in Adam and Pee Wee onward for two years. And as a first year, I made the double A team. Um, this is a boys team. So that was definitely a huge accomplishment for myself. Um, and it, I was just fully accepted because it wasn't, they're really, you didn't really have a choice at that, at that point in time. Um, and I was treated like one of the boys and received equal playing time. And with it being rep, I mean, when I was hot, I was the starting goalie. And if I wasn't, Um, I wasn't the starting goalie, but that also in a way like inspired me to then train and 
and if, so if I wasn't starting for a period of time, I'd make sure that I was doing whatever it took to get that starting position. Um, so I feel it was definitely, I felt like an equal um, playing boys oh, hockey yeah, throughout yeah. my minor career that was down in, yeah, down in Port Moody. And I also received, you know, opportunities to play on like spring travel teams. We, you know, traveled down to the States uh, with Vancouver Selects over some summers, as well as like Super Series uh, hockey programs. So uh, in terms of the gender barrier, I'd say it didn't really exist uh, at that point, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's sort of exactly the sort of experience that you'd hope for as a young girl playing hockey. You've continued to compete against men as your ball hockey career has progressed. How have you found this challenge? Have you have you come across sort of different challenges than you did when you were growing up? Or is it sort of a similar, you're good enough to be there, so you're accepted? Um, I'd say initially, prior to, I guess, knowing most people in the ball hockey community, um it was a matter of proving yourself so yeah. I initially started ball hockey just like helping a helping a friend's team out for some co-ed very rec ball hockey and then gained a few contacts who were playing rec who also played competitively um I was down in Vegas one year actually for a co-ed tournament and there were some local Calgary teams down there and uh one of the men's teams was watching the co-ed team play which was my team and one of the guys was like talking about starting up a new men's team in Calgary and he was watching me play and he approached me after my game and he's like, I'm starting a new men's team. And like, I just, I really want to have you on my team. Would you play? So this is Kyle McKee. He started off the baby ducks team. I believe we started off in like div five and over the last, I'd say handful of oh, four or five years, we moved our way all the way up to winning division two in Alberta. Wow. Um, so winning the provincial, yeah. Winning the provincial title um, after a couple of years on that team, um, they, decided to give me a, a leadership position. So there was a few of us who uh, were leaders on that team. And I mean, just as the team evolved over the years, we acquired some new talent. And uh, yeah, it was definitely a milestone for us, uh, starting off in Div 5, going all the way up to Div 2, winning provincials in Div 2. And then we attended our first nationals out in Montreal a couple of years back um, wow. with the Baby Ducks team. And uh, for, mo for most of the guys in the team, it was their first experience going to nationals. So even just getting there was a huge milestone. I mean, we did go 0-4, so not really the record you shoot for when you go to nationals. But I mean, still a tremendous experience for everyone involved. And as well as myself, a personal milestone, because uh, I mean, being a female competing on a men's team at the national level was uh, a, a very big challenge for me. Um, and I was also playing against players who weren't accustomed to playing against me because here in Alberta um, the ball hockey community is quite tight-knit so I feel everyone you know we all know each other but going out east playing against a bunch of teams who didn't know us um, there was a whole new element of competition as well as just gaining acceptance and respect in sport so um, yeah that was definitely a, a very memorable experience. Yeah, that's amazing. Are you able to give like an overview of the different nationals that you have played in? Obviously, not everyone will understand the Canadian structure of nationals. Um, and then obviously there's the men's tournaments and the women's tournaments as well. Uh, yeah, so the first nationals that I played at for ball hockey um, was 2016. I was playing with the women's team, Edmonton Assassins. And then on the men's side, 
Calgary Stars. So that was a very busy weekend. That was in Kelowna. Very first time I had played men's nationals and again, attended nationals in general. So it was, uh, it was a lot to juggle, uh, obviously playing on the two teams, but uh, I just truly loved it. It reminded me of, it was very organized and structured and everyone took it really serious, which to me was great because I always thought as an ice hockey player growing up, you think ball hockey is just like a rec sport, right? You think it's an intramural thing. You play in the gyms, you know, there's no real ref, no rules. It's kind of, you, you just don't see it at the same level. However, attending that nationals for me, I was like, this is a thing like this is this is real there's you know there it there's proper refs rules there's recognition for uh you know performance like there was player of the game and so it really just like inspired me that you know ball hockey is something that people take serious um and it was it, it kind of just like inspired me to then you know train a little bit harder and uh just I, I heard about Team Canada. I didn't really know much about it, but after the nationals, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. Like, what? Need to figure out whatever it takes to get to that next level. And so that was my very first nationals experience. Um, I believe with the Assassins, we got third place. Calgary Stars, we didn't medal, but again, it was like a uh, a stepping stone in terms of kind of what's possible um, in ball hockey. So then the following year, I played with Calgary United women's team. And this was at A Nationals. A Nationals are equivalent to like tier one. Um, B Nationals are kind of like a tier two, I'd say equivalent, just to give you an idea of how that works. Um, my very first A Nationals, Calgary United, we went out to Vancouver, BC. Um, it was a week-long tournament. I faced some very tough competition. I had never experienced uh, that type of competition on the women's side. So it was definitely an eye-opener for me. Very exciting. And uh, yeah, we happened to take gold after a week of tough battles, multiple injuries, tons of adversity. Um, and that was the first year that I had been a part of A Nationals where they were scouting for Team Canada. So about a month after that, I got a call and was asked if I'd play with Team Canada. And that was just an uh, instant dream come true. I mean, I'd always inspired. Can you remember where player. you were when you received that phone call? Oh, I don't. I don't. It was still an exciting phone call to... I, I guess that overrides sort of where you were. I, I wondered whether it'd be sort of a, one of those memories that sticks out. I don't remember where I was, but I was just like blown away. I mean, you know, growing up, you're always like your dream is like either uh, professional or like national team or scholarship, right? And especially as a female, there's there's limited options in terms of, you know, making either making money or having or representing your nation, right? We don't have a paid uh nhl um so really scholarship getting having your school paid for uh is definitely a huge milestone and then just wearing the maple leaf is i feel like every kid's dream for the most part that's that's playing competitive sport it goes back to that stereotype of playing on the street as a kid like it's that's the position you put yourself in you sort of you're either playing in the stanley cup game seven or you're playing for canada yeah and and again it's like even though you put in the work it still feels surreal at the time like it's it, it took a while to process that like that actually happened so definitely a very special moment in my hockey career yeah that's amazing and I guess the feeling of sort you were saying when you first went to nationals and realized how organized and competitive and serious ball hockey was that's I know I experienced the same when I played in the world junior championships for the first time like I imagine I can imagine that you that feeling was multiplied 
the first time you did play for Team Canada? Because it goes from being, you view it as a sport that you just play in your spare time and you train for, and you don't necessarily always understand how large it is in a lot of other countries particularly in Slovakia or the Czech Republic it is sort of mind-blowing when you go and see the impact that the sport does have. Absolutely and uh, my good friend Matt Louis uh, he has uh, on YouTube he's uploaded various games from previous worlds and nationals Uh, so just to kind of if people are curious to see you know what that level of competition is like what is it like playing uh, on the world stage. Um, you can watch games dating back, I think four or five years. And uh, that really helped me prep just to get an idea of what was to come. Um, so I would definitely recommend people check that out. Various ISBHF, uh, as well as Canadian games um, on video. Yeah, I've watched back quite a few games, particularly sort of GB games prior to when I was playing. It is very beneficial and there are lots of good informative videos online. So I think it's a good point to sort of get people to engage with those. So this year, as we mentioned at the start, hockey started to come back sort of as we move out of COVID. You both played and coached in Canadian Nationals this year, I believe. Um, How have you found the experience of coaching at a high level and how did the separate tournaments go? Um, So this year, the first tournament was uh, the A Nationals. In Calgary, we were actually the host city, which was kind of, it was different from previous years. I mean, (laughs) I didn't need to take, I took one day off work during the week and I don't know if I would do that again. I think I would definitely do it differently. Um, Just to, I feel like I'm a, little more dialed in and focused when I'm able to be more a part of the event, watch various games. United did well. We definitely didn't do as well as we have in previous years. Um, We were knocked out, I believe it was the quarterfinals uh, in a shootout. Um, So it definitely wasn't a notable year for us, but I think facing that healthy dose of adversity that we do need to clearly work very hard and prepare properly for our wins um, I think it's a, it's a good takeaway that uh, next year we'll come back that much more prepared. So uh, definitely a learning lesson this year and something to build on for next year. Um, and then about six weeks, maybe two months after, um, we had the B Nationals. So I was asked to coach uh, Calgary Vipers, a women's team based out of Calgary. Uh, so we, we had at least a weekly training session. And right before we were training a couple times a week, we did some three on three we had some structured practices and yeah I kind of I don't have extensive uh, female coaching experience I've, I've run some pop-up camps like some development camps some skills training but not so much like systems stuff so uh, I've worked with youth in the past coaching um, coaching teams but this was this was new for me a very exciting challenge and kind of the, the main thing I was like, well, we're not going to really change much uh, in, in six weeks here. So it's just a matter of mastering what we know and what we do, being mentally strong and uh, excelling at what we do versus changing who we are as players. So that was kind of the name of the game for us. We uh, had a few last minute roster changes, which was I know a little unnerving. We, we lost our backup tendy right before. So 
Um, that was a little unsettling, but I mean, the girls fully bought in. What I, what I loved about coaching this team was that the maturity of the players, uh, they're used to, they play the season without a coach. They're used to self-regulating, adjusting on the fly. So me coming in as a coach, they really bought in to like little things, little tips and, uh, you know, just a few kind of adjustments. I wouldn't say we changed much. We just adjusted a few things and everyone was so coachable and they have, uh, you know, just the, the team mentality that coaching coaching was, uh, I mean, it, it didn't take as much work as I thought it would. Um, they bought into the few systems that we had, um, the basic concepts. And when we had to adjust to things such as, you know, injuries and we're down to two lines at one point, cause, uh, one girl separated her shoulder and then we had a doctor on the team and uh, an athletic therapist. So basically we just lost all three. Right, yeah. This was actually in our semifinals game. So our semifinals game, there's 12 minutes left. A player goes down. We lose three because two of them are, are medical professionals. Yeah. And uh, one of the girls on the bench turns around. She looks at me. All of our girls are just like keeled over, huffing for air. They've got like 20 bodies hanging over their bench. And the girl turns around to me, she's like, oh, two lines, 12 minutes. Like, we're tied at this point. This is, wow, two lines, hey? I'm like, you guys play with two lines all season. Like, this is nothing new. And they're like, yeah, you're right. Like, this is normal for us. So I think just little, just little, like, mental reminders, I think were kind of uh, helpful for the girls. And, uh, yeah, it was, I, I was truly, I told, a, a couple times they gave me goosebumps on just how how they adjusted to adversity. Um, so yeah, a bit of a, bit of a Cinderella story going from, you know, uh, we actually earned that spot from uh, a team from Calgary who had qualified not being able to feel the team. So we just essentially stepped in and took their spot. We didn't necessarily qualify. And then, so we went kind of from off the grid to uh, making the gold medal game, which was uh, definitely a huge accomplishment for the girls. That sounds amazing. Sort of, I imagine it was really beneficial getting a new perspective on the game as well. From the experience that you had coaching, is there anything that you'd take in to your leadership roles as a player, whether sort of just things that you picked up being on the other side of a bench? Absolutely. Um, and I feel that's kind of where my experience came in um, was just, I guess, the high pressure situations of, you know, girls feeling pressure, girls being nervous. Like when we, for instance, even when we got down to a shootout, some of them were like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm nervous. I don't, I don't really have confidence in the move that I practice. And I'm like, all I ask of you is to hit the net. Keep it simple. The odds of scoring if you hit the net are much greater than if you over stick handle and miss the net. I said, keep it simple. And I feel like that, and they, the feedback I got was like, they're like, you really dumbed down a lot of situations that made us nervous or you know, we have a, say a two, one lead at one point. I think this was like our second or third game. And I could tell like they, the other team was stacking lines, had us pressured in our zone. There was about eight minutes left in the game and the girls were scrambling coming off. And just the tone of their voices was, was uh, a sense of tension. There was, there was nervousness. So I called timeout, brought them in. I'm like, you realize if we have the ball on our stick, we control the pace of this game. So any loose ball, it's our ball. And when we get it, we maintain possession. Simple. Like, why? I was like, what are you guys stressing about? Is anyone worried? I was like, the only time we should worry is, uh, I mean, 
sure finals and if we're down by goal okay we worry I'm like but we're up right now so we dictate the pace in this game and so just little little I feel like it was like mental shifts and just kind of thinking of certain situations differently really helped the girls just kind of regain composure and uh, lose that sense of nervousness that's brilliant and so when you say it like that it makes hockey sound a very simple game um which we often lose sight of really it's it's about remaining composed during high pressure situations and just simplifying things that you feel are complicated whether that's emotionally or strategically it's really if you draw it out on the board hockey's simple it's not it's not rocket science it's a matter of knowing what you need to achieve breaking it down and just like mastering the basics and that's how I've felt my teams in the past have been successful. And that's kind of what I uh, just reiterated to the girls during times that, you know, our, our energy shifted. Oh, that's amazing. Um, you touched on it within that, but you do have sort of not necessarily systems background in coaching, but you have done some coaching before. What have you done to try and grow the game of ball hockey? And is this sort of particularly directed at young women or is it a more general target? Um, so far, I've focused primarily in Calgary. Um, we've run some youth development camps, um, women's learn to play programming, um, some women's skills clinics, and uh, we ran like a really fun, it was like sponsored by CBHA as well as Napper. Um, we ran like a youth all-star skills challenge, which is kind of like the NHL uh, all-star challenge where there's like various... Uh, yeah like we had like we had a shot clock and we had targets and then like how many times can you jump on the ball without dropping it um passing accuracy fastest runner relay race and it was all timed and recorded and we had tons of prizing like napper was very generous with that each kid got like this team canada branded t-shirt that says like all-star challenge on the back and they just loved it like that was um, we also had volunteers from Team Canada, like Bill Marshall from Men's Team Canada, Kaylin McLean, uh, Kendra Dunlop, we had Karpenko, Sharp and Fisher, and they all came out and we wore our Team Canada stuff, brought the trophy uh, from the 2019 Worlds, and the kids just loved it. Like they, the vibe at that All-Star Skills Challenge was just so electric, the kids were just glowing, so that for me was probably one of the most memorable events uh, that I've hosted. But since there's also been um, some like elite skills training, which is more focused at the kids who want to take their game to the next level. Um, Cause for the most part in Calgary, uh, the league, the youth league is quite inclusive. Like they, they equalize the teams, like everyone, everyone gets evaluated and each team has, you know, some like one out of five, some two out of five, some three out of fives and et cetera. Um, just to make sure that everyone's experience is positive, right? So there aren't any blowout games and kids quit the sport, um, which I think is important uh, in youth. But then it's also nice to challenge the kids who do want to be competitive and elite. So we offered uh, during COVID was catered to the kids who, you know, <laughs> if they do miss a shot, they're going to run their couple laps and they're going to, you know, next time it's going to inspire them to be a little more accurate. So kind of more the training that I was accustomed to growing up playing boys hockey like it, it was uh some of the training was quite militant so 
the fact that these kids thrive in that environment and they wanted to be challenged and they wanted to be held accountable uh, really resonated with my training background. Um, and that was quite a, a unique experience for not only the kids, but myself. I think that's really interesting because it's vital to sort of cater to everyone's needs and draw in from individual experiences. And there are players that are, I don't know whether you'd say they're sort of wired that way that they it just always ha- they always want more from themselves and you know, from a coaching perspective you do have to cater to that and it's good that there's sort of such a variety of schemes available in Calgary and I imagine for the children that are taking part it's just an unbelievable experience learning from successful members of Team Canada. Oh, thank you. And to, to piggyback off of that, though, what, what really means a lot, and I speak to the ball hockey community here in Alberta, but I'd say even across Canada, um, it's a very supportive community. Um, some of the kids that I've coached over the years, whether it be uh, through team or various camps, they come out, their families are out and supporting us at provincials and nationals. So I feel like everyone really unites at these tournaments um and it was really special to see this this one family um they have three boys in the sport and they're all just they're all exceptional athletes and this was the first year that uh, one of their boys was eligible to play men's league nationals and it was really special because I was there coaching um so they were supporting those games and then I got to watch their eldest son play with his very first men's team at a nationals and uh I mean I've that family and I have been connected for a handful of years now. So it's just, it's so nice to see the progression and people remain loyal to the sport and still be challenging themselves and working through the youth system now into the adult system. Um, I just, I I love seeing that pipeline of uh, competitive players. So hopefully we can continue that uh, with with future, uh, future years. Sort of moving on to, we've touched on it throughout, moving on to the international platform rather than just like Canadian nationals. Um, what have your experiences been like playing for Canada in the past? And then how do you see yourself combining your playing experiences and now your coaching experiences sort of as we look towards world championships in the summer? Um, my first Worlds was in 2017. I didn't really know what to expect. It was definitely a positive experience. However, finishing third, um we got knocked out I believe it was in the quarters um to the USA it definitely left a sense of unfinished business like I knew that our team was more than competent to be in the gold medal game and we all felt that we all when we lost that game and then we realized that we're playing for bronze I don't know I feel like I just had a bit of a chip on my shoulder and I definitely in 2019 came with something to prove like more than ever. And it was for almost like, besides national pride, besides doing it for your teammates, for your family back home, everyone who's ever supported you. It was just like, we need to be at the States. We need to prove that that last year was an anomaly. Like we are the best team in the world and we have something to prove. So I was hungrier than ever and a bunch of the girls that were on the team from 2017 were hungrier than ever. And then we picked up some new talent as well. 
everyone was just playing like we we united uh in a very special way because we're a tournament team right like we're from all over the country so we essentially meet in europe um we have a couple day training camp and then it's go time so being a tournament team and competing against some of these other countries who have maybe had like a week or two training camp they might have some club games prior to the competition itself we felt like we needed to unite uh and basically come together with very little time so I feel our dynamic was very special last year and yeah like we did some you know some team builders some very structured serious things as well as just like unstructured time the girls uh, came together and bonded and you know had had a couple practices and it was go time so I think just being I feel a lot of competitive athletes uh, need to be able to adjust on the fly adapt to adversity and coachability is a big part so I mean Steve Power was our coach and I mean we just bought into his suggestions and I feel like that's that's imperative to team success because a lot of us have extensive hockey backgrounds and if you come in with your own idea of how things should work that is not uh that won't work like team success uh is a matter of everyone buying in so um I feel last or 2019 wasn't last year last world's uh a year that we were definitely put to the test we I believe we faced the USA a few times um, and each time we just took it to them because uh, yeah, they're the ones that kind of knocked us out of gold medal contention, um, the previous world. And then they're probably feeling a pretty similar way coming into 2022 that you were coming into 2019. So you've got Absolutely. that motivation <laughs> of ne- needing to back it up and not allow sort of a swing swing of momentum back in their direction I guess uh how so how are you starting to prepare for world championships obviously it's just under a year away so it's still quite a while is it just sort of maintaining fitness for games now and then moving into a sort of more intense program near over time yeah you bet um of course training competitively getting a bunch of games in is really important but I'm also a big advocate of rest and cross training um I find this is usually my season after nationals uh, in the fall. I'll still remain connected with ball hockey, you know, play once or twice a week. But I also like to get on, get on my skates, do some rollerblading, do some swimming, do some spin class. So still remaining fit and active, but kind of giving my body a break from just playing ball hockey. I like to get, I personally get a little more focused and dialed in. I'd say a handful of months leading up to a big event. So I think it's just about finding that right, finding that right balance, right? If you're that's if important you're going five, six well. days a week, it's totally. And it's like, there's, there's being active in a restful way, like doing yoga, doing your stretching, doing swimming, but then ball hockey takes such a, I mean, you need mental capacity as well as physical capacity to excel in ball hockey and without proper rest and nutrition. I mean, it's not possible to go and to play and to, to perform with such intensity. So um, right now, I'd say until about Christmas or so, I'm kind of just more cross-training. Um, and then, well, I, I'm sure as a team, um, we usually connect via social media, get a group chat going and kind of share what our training plans are. But it'll definitely get a little more serious and focused leading up uh, to the actual competition. It is just exciting to hear people talking about actual hockey again. I know I've sort of said it a few times, but it's 
so refreshing rather than thinking about tournament sort of a year or two vaguely in the future when we didn't really know when anything was going to even resemble any normality. So you've been involved in ball hockey for quite a while. How have you seen the game and particularly the women's game grow? And sort of building on that, looking at Montreal next year and then in the future, where do you want to see ball hockey go and where do you want to see your role within the ball hockey world go? Well, I've seen it evolve immensely. I mean, ball hockey, when I first joined, women's wasn't overly competitive and that's kind of why I hopped onto the men's side. But since, I mean, the women's side has grown. I mean, for instance, like up in Edmonton, they have multiple divisions on the women in the women's league. And the, I feel the difference between the high end and I guess more rec players used to be quite vast, right? There's some girls that like, say, used to play ice and they transitioned to ball and they're very competitive. Then there'd be the girls that were new. But now I find the variance between the top end and, you know, the, the lower end, um, there's way less of a gap, which... I think speaks volumes to the evolution of the sport, meaning that there's way more people playing the sport than they used to, as well as just developing and evolving as players themselves. So I that's exciting to see. Um, it's nice to see youth coming up as well and being new on the women's scene. Um, this year in particular, there was a lot of new faces at nationals and uh that was that was exciting. I, I'm accustomed to going to nationals and knowing most people on on various teams. So that to me was really exciting. I'm like, all right, like this is, you know, there's more competition. There's there's more people coming up the pipe, and uh, that it's inspiring, right? Because you're just like, you don't have a guaranteed spot on any team. Like it is simply like you prove your worth, and you know you earn your spot. But uh, I like that. I really do like that because they're you know, people who may get a little bit complacent thinking, you know, they've got it made. That's not how it works. Like there's, there's, there's someone competing in training that that's working their butt off and they want your spot. So I think that's really exciting for the women's game specifically, as well as just the sport in general that applies to the women or sorry, to the men's and youth side as well. The game's going to become more competitive, whether that be individually getting into teams or then like world championships, national championships in general say five years time what do you want to be doing ball hockey wise do you still want to be playing at the highest level or do you want to sort of develop your coaching career where do you see yourself well my goal personally would be to compete in both open worlds so that would be the open age category that I competed with in 2019 as well as masters uh, as of a couple of years ago I was eligible to play masters which is 35 plus um, so those worlds, actually the ISBHF worlds alternate years. So essentially there's worlds, if you're able to compete in the open as well as masters, then worlds are every year, which yeah, is yeah. very exciting to me because I just, I just love worlds. I love traveling for tournaments. I love uniting with players across the country as well as meeting international opponents. So that is my goal, uh, from a player perspective. Um, and from a coaching perspective, I definitely would like to continue my involvement, um, not so much on the team side, more on player development piece. I really enjoy sharing my passion with others um, and doing skill development training. I yeah. feel ball hockey specifically, there aren't too, too many avenues for that. So growing up playing ice hockey, there was always spring hockey camps and Christmas camps and summer camps. And uh I would like to be involved and help 
develop that side of the game. So for youth who want to get a little more focused and competitive, um, there's options for that, as well as even on the adult side. I've had a lot of asks from women on, you know, I want to I want to be more offensive. What should I do? And I mean, if I can figure some commonalities on the women's side, as well as um, the youth side of what some some targeted training sessions should look like, um, I would love to organize those and unite with some of my other uh, friends who are passionate about the sport and kind of organize those events because um, I feel that basically it helps grow the sport, helps grow the competitive side, as well as uh, it helps with talent. If we're not offering elite options for players who want to take their game to the next level, they're going to go elsewhere. So um, that is my, I guess, ball hockey involvement goal in the next handful of years is just to offer options for players who do want to enhance their their skill development. I think that's perfect. And it's it shows the way that the game is growing that that might become a possibility within the next few years. And it shows that there are lots of people within the game who want to carve out those avenues. Um, so thank you very much for joining us. You've obviously had a really interesting ball hockey career coming from a nice hockey goalie background into playing sort of outfield, if you were. And thank you to everyone who's tuned in. If there is anything that you'd like us to ask Michelle in the future, uh, then let us know because hopefully, Michelle, you'd, you'd be willing to come back onto the floating blue. Um, and if there's anything that you'd like to hear in general from the ISBHF media team, then please comment down. Well, comment wherever you're listening, comment on Facebook, it, all the usual avenues. All right. That sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Floating Blue Podcast, hosted by myself, Ben Royal, and produced by Sambrook Wilkinson. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Floating Blue, then be sure to subscribe on your favourite podcast streaming platform. You can find more content from the ISBHF across all of our social media platforms. On Facebook, you can find us at ISBHF, International Streets and Ball Hockey Federation. On Instagram, at ISBHF. On Twitter, at Official ISBHF and on our website, isbhf.com. So until next time, thank you very much for joining us on the Floating Blue Podcast. <laughs>